0: Yo, what's up, guys? It's Raf. This is Ravi. Welcome back to another episode of Born and Then Raised. Uh, It's been a while. It's been a really long time, but um, I guess it was kind of it was it was really needed. I needed to do a decent amount of research and also wanted to follow up from our last conversation. Uh, just because lately we've um, you know, we focused on COVID and its disproportionate effects in lower income communities, um, especially for African American communities, but we also We also wanted to take a moment to look at, I guess, the entire picture. And we've noticed that, you know, we have talked a lot about, you know, previous issues within the African-American community. And we've talked a lot about our own opinions on a lot of specific problems. But we haven't actually taken the time to really sit down and look at potential solutions. And I think it's, you know, why not now rather than later? Um, obviously, we're going to be continually talking about some future problems, but we wanted to at least take a moment to look at um, lower income communities and African American communities and see if there is something we could do in terms of, I guess, healthcare as a whole. So I, today, we're just going to be really focusing on healthcare and African American communities and how those two are going to be uh, meshing and what we consider to be the primary issues and what we think we might be able to suggest in order to, I guess, solve those problems. So, I mean, first off, we could really look at, um, I mean, last week we were talking about the healthcare system, and I don't think we mentioned specializations, but it's something that we noticed in our research that there is a discrepancy between higher-income individuals and lower-income individuals. It's just the access to specializations. Well, not even just the access, but access and also I guess, pricing, like, you know, just being from a lower income family, the chances of you not being able to afford a specialist, it varies immensely. So, you know, most people, for for most people, just having primary care isn't enough. You know, let's say there's someone in your family who, you know, needs a visit from this specialist. The primary care is going to, you know, suggest you go to this person. And once that's, once that suggestion is, I guess, put forward and once that, you know, they point you in that right direction, so to speak, all of a sudden, you know, it's it's well, I wouldn't say it's not their problem anymore, but you know, it's up to you to, you know, check your insurance, see if you can cover it. See right. if maybe there's a copay that go, that's involved. You know, there's right. a lot more to it than just, you know, going in, getting the problem taken care of, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, you know, everything's everything's hanky dory, like, you know, you're fine. Right. So, um, I mean that's kinda like one of the first things I noticed with specializations. I mean, what did you what have you I I think I I think, when
1: you know, just talking about the whole concept of healthcare in America, it's important to Mm. just note that it's not perfect. It's far from perfect, and it probably never will be, right? Like, I think that while we're going to focus a lot on eliminating the discrimination from it all, Mm. that isn't the only issue that exists, right? Like, whether it be... Uh, discrimination against women or, or people of, of different races or lower income people like you could literally check the boxes and be white you know straight and 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 rich you know and still have mm. issues within the healthcare system not very true. it's not it's not perfect however, there are some areas that we can absolutely eliminate and I think mm. that allowing people from lower income communities um, decent access to to, to health care, is essential and it's something that can be done absolutely 100 Mm percent. so while you know we had a couple conversations with the different people and like a lot of research on this stuff and what i'm what i'm perceiving to be the common theme is the way that health in america is kind of focused around the concept of specialization Mm -hmm. and so everybody's going to med school to be something in particular right like I know for a fact that uh, even my friends that are in in, in other European, in European countries that are doing medicine, the approach is a little different. You Mm -hmm. know, like they'd first have to complete um, an entire four years of of med school, six years of med school, focusing on like general medicine. So you can come out of there and be a general practitioner. Right. And -hmm. then only afterwards can you then go on ahead and like specialize, whereas in America it's a little different. Right. You go to med school with something in mind that you want to do and you are able to specialize as as quickly as you possibly can, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that just opens up the door to people just not being qualified to deal with anything but that one specific thing, you know, that they're going to be dealing with. Like you look Mm -hmm. at me, for example, like I want to go into cardiology and the path that I've taken so far and the path that I'm going to continue to take is one where... If you were to ask me anything about your bones, I probably wouldn't know, you know, like Mm -hmm. I probably won't be knowledgeable enough to give you to give you sound advice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that 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 creates a problem because specialists are very expensive in America. Right. Like that's why everybody wants to be a specialist is because it's big money. Right. Mm -hmm. And because we've kind of it's 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 a healthcare system that's focused on specialization. There isn't a lot of primary care that's done, you know. And primary care is the more affordable option, right? It's yeah. the it's the family doctor within your small community that you get to see whenever you feel like it or whenever you get a chance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, easily accessible, relatively affordable, and mm. they focus a lot on your social requirements because they know the area that you're coming in, you know, you know, you're from, yeah, and you know, it's a personal relationship between the doctor and you and and your family, right? So. I saw an example that I was saying it's only through primary care that somebody who's uh, asthmatic, right, will not only get the medication that they that, that they require, but you also have a situation where they're concerned about the the, the kind of home that you're in. You know, like a lot mm. of people have have homes that are. I'm not, I don't know, like not clean, like probably not the greatest for, for, for. for, potentially like asbestos or something like that. Right, right. Like stuff that is probably not conducive for somebody who, who's asthmatic, right? Mm -hmm. And it's only through primary care that those issues can be addressed. Whereas if, if we're looking at the specialist in the big city who you have to drive three hours to go see or something like that, it makes that, it makes that relationship a whole lot less intimate and Mm -hmm. it allows for just, what's your problem? You have a problem? Okay, here's the medication. Uh, come back if you have another problem. You know, yeah. so there isn't um there isn't a consistent checking up on the patient. Real, you know, noticing how they're progressing with anything. It's like more of a disease focused way of handling. Yeah. Healthcare and and it's not preventative, right? And I think mm. that's where other um developed countries kind of have a gap with the with the United States. Um, in that they they focus a lot more on preventative methods and the the social aspects of health rather than just the biological mm. aspects and that goes a long way right like and i think yeah. that's that makes even things like mental health easier to deal with mm-hmm. um if we're focused more on a social way of handling things in a preventative yeah. method rather than rather than disease oriented healthcare so mm-hmm. Th- so those are certainly some of the things that i, I mean i guess yeah. i've been noticing through my own yeah. my own research with with um, with the subject yeah
0: you even mentioning, like, you know, that whole, like, all oh, the three-hour drive to the city to go um to go see a yeah. specialist, it's something that, like, I, it crossed my mind and I was wondering, and I actually know a decent amount of people who need specialists in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and they, like, they make that consistent trip, like, that right. two, three-hour trip, and it's, I guess that's kind of, like, it brought some, it brought up, like, another concept to me that I realized there's gonna be need, there's gonna need to be a better relationship mm-hmm. between specialists and specialists primary care and everyone else that's beneath them so to speak right because i mean you bring up a good point you know primary care has more of a social mm-hmm. you know aspect but it's not social enough you know they're right. kind of like it kind of there needs to be like you know a greater connection between a lot of social programs and primary care in America, I mm-hmm. feel, you know, there's a lot of different areas where, you know, specialists could learn more about what they're handling. I mean, right. even earlier, we were talking about an example. We were talking about orthopedics and um, I guess. No, what was orthopedics. Yeah, we'll, we'll use that example. Like, let's say there's something that like an orthopedic surgeon does, but it might impede the efforts and the work that a physical therapist needs to do sometime in the future, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you may bring that person to a primary care and they might notice something and take into account both, you know, specialist needs. They Mm -hmm. might take into account that, okay, if I do this, then this might affect this. So maybe there's another way we can do this, you know? So I think there just needs to be um, a better connection and there needs to be a better relationship across specializations, Mm -hmm. you know, but- what exactly is going to do that, and I think that's what leads into education, mm. um, medical school as a whole, right? And that's where you kind of need to start talking about, you know, what are we teaching in medical school? I mean, I personally don't know medical school that well, but um, I definitely know that. Like, I know people who are in medical school right yeah. now, and I think that's
1: a very touchy subject. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, what people study in medical school? I mean, you- I know personally, I, I kind of have had a problem. With with the sort of um, yeah. classes people take, I, you know, like I don't want to rattle anyone's feathers oh, or anything like that, but I think that I, for me the concept of like pre med and you taking all these gen ed classes for me it makes no sense. Okay, like no, it's a lot. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah. in what I'm going to med school. Okay. Yeah. Why am I taking plant ecology? Right? No, like that's a that's (laughs) a legitimate question, right?
0: Like it's a good point. I mean it's something that we were talking about earlier. It's like it's I realize that it's as a social whole, you know, there's Mm -hmm. this constant push as we grow up that, you know, you have to eventually stray away from liberal arts. You have to move. Like even even if you go beyond medical school, even if Mm -hmm. you look well not beyond, but if you look beyond medical school and you look at even other grad schools, Mm -hmm. even I mean looking at I don't know. Math, for example. Right. right? right. Let's say, you know, the math you're studying in college, I would say it's pretty general. Like, I mean, you go from high school, it's pretty general. You go to college, it's pretty general. But once you get to grad school, you might be trying to apply that to engineering. And then all of a sudden you kind of miss out on a lot of astronomy work or whatever it Mm -hmm. may be. Right. Or you may miss out on a lot of physics work in regards to space and whatnot, right? Like right. there's always an attempt to make what you're studying and what you're learning more specific. So eventually you know so much about this one, you know, one concept that everything else, like, you know, you're you're basically like a master. And it's funny, I actually heard um I heard someone ask a question. It was like, is it better to be a jack of all trades or what was it? Ah, I forgot the I forgot
1: the or a master the, of equal. one
0: is it is it yeah, master Yeah, cuz I one? mean the
1: whole proverb goes jack of all trades but master of none. So like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the I think it was master would of be one. like to be master of one.
0: Exactly. Would you rather be a jack of all trades or a master of one? Mm. So like the statement I'm posing isn't in any direct attack towards medical schools or medical <laughs> okay. students. So don't take it personally, <laughs> right? But it's kind of like one of those general things that I guess I'm asking I guess everyone as who's who's a student everyone who's an academic like you know like even personally i hate a lot of general topics like i'm right. i'm not a fan like i, I mean, know there's something specific i want to do but know. when you start to look at i guess the social implications mm-hmm. of everyone doing something specific mm-hmm. eventually there's gonna be a, like there's gonna be someone who suffers, and I think as a whole, as what we as what you've explained earlier, I America think, as a whole has suffered from I, that. I think concept.
1: that I think that like obviously we say it's kind of ironic that we're now we're now arguing against specialization when we just spent <laughs> like the first ten minutes of this episode talking about how specialization is a bad thing, but I think that when it comes to I'm, I will speak on on medical school just because mm. I've seen how it's done back home, mm. I see how it's done here, I've mm. seen how you know. Um, it's done in other places in the world because, you know, I have friends that are everywhere, right? Like yeah. I have a friend who who's in Russia and he's he's in med school, okay? Mm-hmm. And as far as the information and the knowledge that he has in the classes he's taken, he's way ahead of me, okay? Mm-hmm. Because while I have to go to class and do physics, right, <laughs> he's like texting me, he's like, bro, like today we handle a cadaver. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Guess what I have to do? Newton's Law. Like I don't (laughs) you know, I'm not saying that it's bad. I think I think a general education is helpful at a particular level. If you've already committed that you're gonna go down the path of you know, like med school, you know what you're gonna be doing, Mm -hmm. why don't we take those four years of pre med and Mm -hmm. focus that on general medicine? Yeah. Okay? Before you go to your four years in med school and you do and you specialize. I think the reason why we don't have a lot of time for general medicine is because we've spent so much time doing all these other things that now that it's actually time to be in med school, mm-hmm. we can only focus on the one thing that you want to do. Yeah. You know, like you end up doing 8 years of school and then like whatever years of residency that you want to do and it's like we could generalize it more and yeah. focus more earlier. On, uh, it, earlier right like we mm-hmm. could we could focus more on 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 health mm-hmm. for human beings that early but it's like when we go into college people that are going to vet school people that are going to med school people that are going to like physical therapy um people that are just going to you know planning on going to grad school to do some level of research we're basically all taking the same classes mm. until we graduate and you know that that kind of yeah. confuses me a little bit but mm, i know i'm not completely knowledgeable on it and you know i may have some biases obviously and i may not know it all but i just think that just looking at how you know the concept of going to medical school is handled here in america you can almost you can almost see why primary care isn't isn't you know the more the most popular encouraged you know method of doing Mm. things you could you could probably you could probably see it and i think like you're right you're definitely right like it stems from education and it comes from the way that you know our schools handle it and the way that you know we're educated but as as a general question to everybody else who's Mm. doing other things i mean i don't know i don't know i personally I hate, I've always hated taking classes that I don't need. I know (laughs) even in high school I was like a hothead for it. Yeah. But I used to hate it. I I didn't understand why I needed to take English language past primary school. But I guess, uh, you know, obviously, (laughs) obviously, uh, you know, I I had to take it because rules are rules. But I've always been like, yo, if you know what you want to do in life, do it. Yeah. And I mean,
0: it's funny, like that's actually something I was going to ask you because I know you've commented on it before. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's just because when we get to college, you know, they they're trying to generalize it, but at the same time, not generalize it too much, because by the time you get to college, some people still haven't figured out what they want to do, do, you know, and that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you still do need that time to figure things out. But it also kind of leaves, you know, it, it it kind of fosters this mentality that like you you don't have to figure it out until, you know. Yeah. Maybe once you get to college, but then but that thing it also it also, in a way, creates an issue for those who have figured it out, or who you know who know exactly what they want to do. Yeah. And you know it's kind of feel like some people feel like you know like they're moving too slow. Maybe uh. you feel like you moving too slow. Sometimes I feel like I'm moving too slow. Sometimes right. I wish I was a little bit like you know I was able to study certain things right, right now just so I could yeah. get like you know ahead of the curb and I'd be able to do more. But if I have to wait until grad school, I mean, hey, it is what it is. Mm. So
1: It is what it is.
0: Exactly. It is (laughs) what it is. I mean, moving on from that, I guess, you know, even when you talked about opportunity, I think you mentioned opportunity earlier. Right. That's, I mean, you you mentioned a good point when we were discussing things earlier, and you said that, you know, when it comes to, I guess, discrimination in healthcare, Mm -hmm. I I know looping all the way back to healthcare (laughs) from after all that talk about education, um, you pointed out that when it comes to opportunity, it's not really quite, you know, the discrimination that happens, as you know, in healthcare. I mean, there is blatant discrimination in healthcare. Don't right. get me wrong. There right. is, you know, stereotypes that find their way into the med field, and uh-huh. that has an effect on the way that some doctors or nurses or anything or right. anyone might treat a patient, uh-huh. right? But a lot of the discrimination that you pointed out said, like, well, that you said you saw. Might be coming from what creates that job pool right. for the med field, not right. really just quite you know, the discrimination one feels day to day in mm-hmm. the med school. It's kind of like you know, just getting there seems to be half the fight. Right. So. Right. I mean, I mean absolutely,
1: absolutely, you're right. I think that when we when we look at. Um, everyone wants to look at demographics at the end line right mm. but once you track it back you see how the demographics are pretty much similar until you get back to I would say maybe maybe med school mm-hmm. um and probably college it's no secret obviously that in America in the past I don't know much about today I think it, it's obviously it's obviously gotten better but I'm pretty sure in the past there was like a very um disproportionate percentage of people going into um college you know in terms Mm. of race like if we consider considered race like obviously um black americans or african americans made up probably one of the smallest um percentages of 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 people of a particular race in in college Mm. i think that's gotten better Mm -hmm. but I think that the opportunity for African Americans and other people of color too, as well as people from low income families, which historically tend to be more people of color than white people, if we look at just the opportunity to get into college, it's just not the same you know um mm. when people graduate from high school, it's not everybody that has this this chance this chance to go yeah. into college. It's not everybody that has this, this thought process that you know I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna go to med school. You know, mm. just the ability to to have that sort of a vision or that dream or that goal in mind mm-hmm. sets you apart. Absolutely, one yeah. hundred mentality you know? definitely does. Right, like just lot. your ability to be able to dream that and consider that to be something in your future that is possible sets you apart. And I think what happens with a lot of African Americans is that 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 dream that isn't isn't real to them like it's it's something that that probably wouldn't happen to them and then when you look at um how how people are selected for for college in 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 general you could almost argue that sometimes it's Mm. it's blind to circumstance Mm. you know like um I, i always say this to you and i i mean i know i say it out of anger sometimes but like i always tell people that being in college for some people is just like, it's a joke thing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for some people, it's like, oh, like yeah. I was going to end up in college anyway. Whereas mm. for me, I graduated from a class size of 50 people, right? Mm-hmm. Of the 50, I could probably name everybody that made it into some tertiary education. Mm-hmm. The rest are probably just roaming around with their high school diploma, you know, whatever GCE certificate, whatever you call it. Either looking for a job or just trying to do something or or, or perhaps going to some other smaller institution to, to do higher education, right? Mm. But if I look at the ones that are formerly in college or, or a significant um, university, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of us, right? So for mm. me, the chance to be in college means a whole lot more because mm. from high school, I had to set myself apart from everybody else. I had to yeah. make sure I was the best in my class. I had to make sure I graduated top of the class, whatever, did extra work, you know? Mm-hmm. did all this, made myself look like the most cream of the crop right like yeah. interesting human being ever right mm. and it's like for some people they graduate from a class of 200 and 150 of those make it to college no big deal mm. so already when you're looking at the 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 um what do they call the the process of getting to college what do they call it what do you what do you call that when you apply to college and the the application process that it is that what a selection process the, the common the, the, app I guess. no not the common what app the classes? selection process when they sit down and deliberate who gets into college what do you call that i mean we i selection?
0: guess you could, i guess you can discuss i, guess I it feel kind of bad <laughs> <if we're> seniors <laughs> in college <we> don't know. <laughs> all right it's that it's that, the, it's that the, long gone forever <clears throat>
1: the selection process official term Jeez. so i guess the, when you look at the selection process and as much as now, I guess maybe we've developed it a little bit into being more open-minded to the circumstance that each individual is coming from. Mm-hmm. Just f- still because there's that that there's that dispro, you know, there's a disproportion. It's clear to see that it's not the 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 admissions process is oh, ad- that's wow. the word, right? Wow, wow. The, <laughs> the admissions <laughs> process is is not entirely open-minded. You know, it's still pretty mm-hmm. blind to circumstance. And I would and I would imagine that circumstances for a lot of african americans that grew up in these poor communities who had to do a little extra in order to achieve the same goals and achieve the same results who Mm -hmm. didn't have all the resources to study for the sats the act's right Mm -hmm. people like that who probably didn't do a lot of extracurricular just because it wasn't there you know Mm -hmm. they probably don't look like the most interesting person to a college that's trying to accept people to come in for the fall so their opportunities are kinda hampered by the fact that they're not in a position to get exposure or to allow them to be as good as they should be, right? Yeah. So that trickles down obviously into same thing after after college, after graduation. Are we looking at people that couldn't afford to buy textbooks, you know, stuff like yeah. that? Are we are we looking at people that had to live off campus because they couldn't afford, you know, to mm-hmm. live on campus that had to that had to commute, whatever. You know, there's so many different things about about the experience of people in college and 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 in grad school that certainly affects you know the limit they they could get to as far as how far they can go in life you Mm -hmm. know it's not everybody who's going to go to college and be able to come out of there and be able to get the best job they've ever dreamt of you know for some people they just make it past the mark for other people they supersede the mark you know Mm -hmm. so i think when we start looking at that for for um, taking into account race and, 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 and lower-income communities, we, it's clear to see that there's certainly a misrepresentation as far as demographics within the healthcare system. And like I said, that has more to do with um, the opportunities that allow you to get there for, to where you're an option yeah. rather than when you've already become an option. Like, I think once you're in the job pool and you've, you've gone through all these barriers, I think at that point you have a fair chance, quote-unquote. You know, yeah. like, if you're... If There's still gonna be like hoops and still gonna be jumping but for the most part after you're done with med school and you're done your residency, you're a doctor, just like everybody else. Yeah. You're not a smarter doctor, you're not a you know, you're not a better doctor, you're just a doctor. So I think after you're now at that same level, once you caught up with everybody else, it it's not it's not a big deal. But catching up catching up is is certainly a big thing for um, African Americans and other and other races and and certainly
0: yeah. people from low income communities and maintaining that integrity you know past that point is important too Absolutely. like you know as as real as it is like you know like you made a great point like as real as it is like you know once you get that Certificate, or once you get that degree, certificate. Wow, that's downplaying it. Once you get that degree, <laughs> that piece of paper that exactly. has your name on it. <laughs> exactly. Once you get that degree, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're not like a better doctor or, or, you know, like a smarter doctor. You're just a doctor, yeah. right? Like, I think that it's a good attempt at trying to level the playing field for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to still recognize that, you know, you still have, in a way, you still have a quote unquote, you know, job to. Mm-hmm maintain that example and maintain that right. integrity that ma- that took you that far like you know like i still believe like you know there's some there, like i still believe that there are there are women who make it you know past med school their doctors like uh-huh. you know you still have to maintain that integrity right. and maintain that that poise and that composure that got you there because you know you you're you're sitting there and you recognize that i put in a lot to get here and i went past and i went through a lot of you know a lot of bias and a lot of discrimination and a lot of You know harassment Uh just to get to this point, you know. So like, why would I all of a sudden, you know, act like it's not there anymore? Like, you know, like I think there's there's still that that pressure, and sometimes that might make people crack. But Uh it like, but I think for the most part it doesn't because you know like you've made it so far already. Right. So I think you know whether it's you know women, whether it's African Americans, whether it's other minorities or anyone from a low income area, Uh I think once you kind of pass that point of getting a doctor, no, you don't have like you know a better doctor or a smarter doctor on that piece of on that degree but you definitely have this mentality that sets you apart that makes you realize that, you know, this is a blessing, you know? So Absolutely. I definitely feel that, you know, once that opportunity is there, yeah, you're, you, you've you you made – you've quote-unquote made it, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's still more work to be done. Right. So – And, I mean, before we move on from
1: yeah. that, um, oh, yeah, I think it would be important to just stay with the theme of this entire episode. Mm-hmm. What do you think, though, right? Like we spent a decent amount of time just discussing how – um opportunities and the same for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think could po- probably happen to try and change that? Opportunities? Like I, yeah, like I think I think we've I think there's there are a lot of things that are probably going on already. Oh, a lot. But what what do you think would probably be the most effective if you had to say anything?
0: <sighs> the most effective. I believe that one of the most important I guess solutions to this to creating a level playing field per se would probably be focusing on that transition between, you know, early high school, um, early college. Because I think by the time you get to that high school stage, like by the time you get to that college stage, excuse me, you know, you kind of already know for sure whether or not you're really trying to get into like being a doctor or if we're using that example, mm-hmm. I guess, um, if you want to be like a doctor and whatnot. So I believe that the social support that someone experiences in that time frame can mean a lot and can do a lot because like we said before, like, you know, just mentally preparing yourself to, you know, deal with failure and, you know, try to make those necessary steps to get to each, you know, milestone is half the battle, you know, mentality is in my opinion, half the battle. So I think as cheesy and as corny as this sounds, creating that mentality from a young age is so important. Like, you know, like, and it, I guess it kind of plays on participation trophy, culture it's like you know it's it's cool don't get me wrong to like you know do something but it's like you know that you have a greater purpose for me like you know that competition i think that competitive mindset is what separates a lot of people right and i think in a place as elite as med school and i would say even grad school obviously med school is a whole nother animal Mm -hmm. but i think that that place as that higher Mm -hmm. education takes in our society for me anyways, is taken a little lightly at times. And I think just kind of creating that competition and creating that hunger, you know, that even that even you generated and it wasn't even because, you know, you were woken up one day and told, yo, this is like, you know, this is going to be hungry. It's like you saw it firsthand. And, you know, for some people, and I think in America, the privilege that is there is that a lot of people and a lot of us don't have that opportunity to see that, you know, that 2% of one group made it to college. Right. You know, like not not many like I think in America, you're not going to like I mean, You see it, but like you don't see it that often or mm-hmm. at least a lot of people that I personally know. And, and even myself, like, you know, like in my class, almost everyone, like, you know, went to college. Yes. Like a few of us, like, you know, are, are no longer in college. But like, that's for the most part, for the it was most everybody's p- exactly for the most part of everyone's after exactly yeah. exactly. So like I think there's there kind of has to be an attempt at creating this mindset a lot more aggressively Than we have been in the past because in the past we could rely on the fact that your circumstances create that mindset for you Right, but now we're kind of at a place where it's like, you know, a lot of us are, you know Decently well off like, you know, not obviously not everyone, but I think a lot of people are, you know Decently well off enough to where they can I guess float by Mm -hmm. So I think creating that mindset is important as for shortening the gap like, you know physically like seeing that gap change when you get to like just making that step next to college I think financial aid would probably have to be in my opinion um, maybe loosened a little bit like a little better because like I feel like there's times where like financial aid like financial aid is weird in my opinion like you know like if they kind of have this standard or at least I noticed with Cornell for example right Mm -hmm. I was doing a project for um, a personal finance class that I took third term that class was tough but you know (laughs) we were doing a project and I noticed that when I was putting in numbers and trying to figure out the financial aid an individual would get for Cornell being from a certain family or being from a certain status that has a certain income with certain assets, blah, 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 so on and so forth. You know, they, they, for example, they, their financial aid is very rewarding and like, you know, like their range is very wide, but I noticed with most schools, most other schools, it's like, it's either you have to be from like the bottom 14% or you know, you have to be like the top, like the top 1% to not get any. Oh,
1: like if you're in the middle, it's kind of, it's not not the most helpful. Exactly. So I
0: feel like I'm not saying that, you know, that, that the lower, like the lower, the very lower income families are, you know, like they're, they're struggling and they don't need to need that much help. But like, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like there's a lot of people who are kind of in that lower middle class. Yeah, that's still struggle just because maybe there's a lot of people in the family. Right. And I guess they're kind of being ignored in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think financial aid, in my opinion, might need a little bit of restructuring um, the help that comes from, I guess, just looking at the help from beyond just like, you know, just paying for the school, whether mm-hmm. it be like, you know, for right, books, sometimes right. getting the money for those for the books can be a battle for some people. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things I believe need to be altered Uh to make a very level playing field. But if I had to think off the top of my head, you know, the two things that I would personally focus on would be mindset and financial aid in a way. Right. But it's also a very general and very like, you know, non-economics major kind of take here. Of
1: course. (laughs) Like I saw, I saw something too. um, It was actually a study that was done. Mm -hmm. I think it was about a 40 year study and they were, they were looking at um, childhood poverty and how childhood poverty affects motivation and um upward mobility and just your 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 ability to get out of a bad situation right and mm-hmm. end up doing something um rewarding with your life and i think what they noticed was for the for the kids that were mm-hmm. poor back home mm-hmm. and didn't receive any sort of assistance as far as food or clothing or anything like that or or resources to go to school and like who constantly had to worry I guess about the next meal the next meal or something like that you know mm-hmm. for them um they don't they didn't make it most of them didn't make it you know far in life they didn't they didn't achieve the goals that you probably would expect anybody to achieve so we're talking didn't make it to college probably working minimum wage job others maybe not working getting involved with some really bad stuff right
0: mm.
1: whereas for the ones that were poor back home but received this extra help whether it be from the school system whether it be just Mm. from the community in general the fact that they didn't have that added pressure at such a young age to worry about food and like where they're going to get their next meal school supplies simple stuff right that you probably would take for granted but at that age that is the world to you right the fact that they were they were able to provide this for these children they were more motivated to learn um they ended up going further off in life like getting that college degree, going some of them going to grad school, like buying a great home, whatever, you know, these are the measures of success in in our world. So we'll, we'll consider that to be you being successful, right? Like when you buy that car, when you yeah. buy that house, you know, yeah. whatever. But I guess it just to me just it just opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know, when you're young, it's That's... it's probably the most fragile time ever for you because your motivation if it's affected at that young age you could probably never get
0: it back, dude. I'm not gonna lie. What you just said really blew my mind. You know? I don't even like, no, it's crazy. no. It gets it, it. really blew my mind, and I'll tell you why. Because my, it was a, it's a story here, story time. So like when I was younger, I used to like, I used to worry about like the smallest, the smallest of things. And I remember my mom, since I was a kid, always say this to me and, me and my sister, she'd always be like, no, like I don't want you worried. Like sometimes I'd ask like how much random things were like, oh, how much does this cost? How much does this cost? And I wasn't asking out of curiosity. I was asking because I was truly concerned. Bro. And like my mom, like raps don't
1: is the accountant.
0: <laughs> like no, like, I, was, I was truly concerned. But like my mom would always like, she would sometimes even get mad at me. She'd be mm-hmm. like, I'm not telling you. Like I'm not right. telling you. Like it's fine. And she like, and I always used to ask why. And like I it's so sad that I literally just noticed this at the age of 21, but it's like, it's because of kind of similar to what you said. And yeah. I, I get it. It's like, it's nowhere near that level, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think right. I'm anywhere no, of near that level. Of but course. like, it's, you make a great point. It's like when you're mm-hmm. a child, you're really fragile. So you even right. worrying about something other than, right. you know, not playing with your friends, like going out to the playground or something, mm-hmm. that's time away from your development. And that's time away from your potential success in the future that uh-huh. you could be thinking about so i think it's like you know
1: and i mean it's it, also it's, it's you wow know, when you think about it though it makes a lot of sense it because does. It's, it's like when when a child is young is where you want them you want them to dream the most right like you want them to be very vocal about the things that they want to achieve in life you know like yeah. it's where they want to be a firefighter and you're like you go you do that you know yeah you're trying to instill this motivation within them that will probably carry on for the rest of their lives. Like when I think back to me personally, I was like, "Why am I so determined? Why do I want to?" It's because when I think back to that night when I, you know, I was just mad at growing up, mm. and um, I remember I had a, I had an, I had an attack. It was like a very weird time. It was probably like the weekend,
0: mm. and
1: so the, 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 what was it? I think I, mean, I don't know if the doctor like saw me or something. Or my dad took me there, and he gave me a prescription. Mm-hmm. He just like wrote down a prescription, whatever. And we went to the pharmacy and picked up some medication and I came home. And like I didn't I still felt the pain, you know, like I was struggling to breathe. And my dad was like on his way to sleep. And I was like, What why did we just waste time going to the doctor if all he did is give us a piece of paper and I go collect the medication, right? Hmm. And like in that moment, I didn't even realize my dad was like, I was so mind blown because at that young age, you're already like pointing out the flaws that we have in our healthcare system back home. And I was like, you know what? Like when I grow up, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a doctor that helps people. And I kid you not. To Mm. this day, even when even when I'm like in the midst of the worst of the worst, like when I'm when I wanna give up, you know, when I'm like, dude, I'm done with this. I think Mm. back to that moment and I'm like, bruv, it's been a dream for eighteen years of my life. You know, Mm. like I can't give it up now. Like I was so young and so pure and I believed I could do it. So like twenty one year old me is not gonna change that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I have this motivation that stems from when I was younger, when I believed all these things and the people around me made sure that I perceive them as a reality, as something that was possible, Yeah. right? So you can imagine a child that's growing up in a, in a very different situation where they probably make attempts to dream and it's discredited because of what they're seeing around even if the parents aren't necessarily mm-hmm. saying, you're not going to achieve that. But if they're noticing other people in their community not making it in life, perhaps, if they're noticing, how, how am I going to dream about being a pilot right now when mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm going to eat tomorrow?
0: yeah you know so it's, it's,
1: putting a young child in such a stressful sim- yeah. situation limits the limits the you know their scope and i think that imagination yeah it absolutely does and like when i saw that study i was like this is something that we all knew we all know to be true mm. but we would never ever have looked at the extent of it like really looking at the small things that truly yeah. affect that motivation at such a young age and mm-hmm. i thought it was a very powerful study and i loved it and i was like this is something that communities probably could work towards achieving perhaps as a nation perhaps as as um, a city a town whatever childhood poverty is real and it affects Mm. a whole lot more than we would like to give credit to you know like when you look at it Mm. we look at it in the now in the oh it's so sad that a five year old child doesn't have food for tomorrow you know like we look at it in the simple in the most simple form ever but Mm. no one ever takes time to notice how that child's future is probably so messed up because their own thinking has limited them you know it limits them to yeah to just what's around them you know they mm-hmm. don't, they don't see they don't think outside the box and they never will you know so it's it's crazy yeah. like i thought that was i thought that was that was pretty cool and that like you know mm. speaking on that thing with the opportunity and some of the ways we could we could change that and make it better for um people coming from lower income communities i think that's that's one of the big things that that we should probably focus on absolutely yeah.
0: 100% and I think all this kind of ties back to what we were saying in the beginning. It's like, with this conversation of you know altering the healthcare system for socioeconomic, uh, for those in socioeconomic difficulties and you know minorities in a way, in order to solve that, the issues, the issues are vast, but uh-huh. the solution, the solution is just as big, if not bigger. Right. And. I guess, you know, when you kind of like it even it also ties to the whole, you know, how there has to be a better connection between, you know, primary care specializations and social support groups as uh-huh. as, as basic as a phrase as that is. Right. Like, you know, there has to be a better connection with the community and these healthcare systems, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's my my take on the whole situation has I guess it's it's always been very wide Right. It's always been very like, you know, there has to be more. There has to be more to this conversation than just, oh, so and so is not getting the healthcare that they need. Uh In my opinion, it's always been bigger than that. But it's such a basic thing to say that I think a lot of people kind of like us lose, lose motivation in talking about it. Right. And that that it's a little disheartening for me to believe that and say that out loud but it's true it's Mm. like you know when you kind of think of something so and when you talk about something so abstract Mm. it it can lose a lot of people's um it can lose a lot of people's attention so i think even in terms of i guess when you kind of i mean last week we two weeks ago we talked about healthcare in lower income areas and we talked about diet right so Mm. we talked about how there's like there's a very big difference right so i think this is kind of one of those examples that i think it's very tangible and that's why it's stuck in my head so long. And I think it's, it can stick in a lot of people's heads a lot longer than just this abstract conversation about, you know, mindset and opportunity and stuff like that. So, I mean, we, we discussed it last week, but a quick rundown is essentially that like, you know, if you look at the general differences between lower income areas and, you know, higher income areas, you're gonna see that there's a difference in, you know, the food available, whether it be Fast food or, you know, I guess a more expensive grocery store like Whole Foods, stuff like that, and more healthier options as well. Right. So, you know, again, you know, you're going to see a lot of fast food and like, you know, cheaper options and more likely unhealthy options in lower income areas just because it's cheaper. You know, Mm -hmm. in a way, it's kind of like, you know, it's a cyclical. Uh, problem right and you're gonna say like, oh like, I mean it's easy to say that oh no it's there because it's helping them but at right. the same time you do understand that it's it's giving this community consistent problems that keep them in this financial struggle you know diabetes is real and diabetes you know it could financially keep someone in a hole mm-hmm. consistently oh, Absolutely. you know so absolutely. it's it's stuff like that that insulin is expensive Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> and that's like for something that, like you know, I think everyone knows about, like diabetes. Like for something that seems so "quote unquote" common mm-hmm. f- in a lot of places, it kind of blows it blows my mind that it's still s- that expensive, right? That mm-hmm. that that it's that difficult to access. So, I mean, same goes for numerous different um, groups of people's access to certain forms of healthcare, whether it be you know women and some forms of health, uh, some forms of contraception. Like oh, you know, yeah, it's it's a yeah. lot of. There's a lot of things that you would expect to be common, but right. they're not. So I think, I mean, tying it back to um, food, because I'll, I'll stay focused on that. I don't want to like trail off no, too far. I
1: was, I was just about to say, you know, like that's a, that's a whole new. Conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna,
0: <laughs> I'm gonna well, we'll get back to that eventually. But um, that's just, just focus on, I guess, the, like food at, at first. Think, you know, right. we're by kind of maintaining this form of quote unquote help by keeping things cheaper for lower income areas, Mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of creating issues and then getting confused at why they're still there. Like, Oh, well, I mean, if it looks as though it's just their terrible issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it all ties back to, and I guess that that's what, that's what we start to look at and say, like, Oh, it must be their problem because we're doing everything we can, but are you, you know? So yeah, I think it's, I, I mean I guess that's one tangible example that I, I kinda hope can stick with a few people. I don't know if everyone knows about that. I mean I I've known about this for a while, that there's mm-hmm. there's a difference in, you know, access to even food as something mm-hmm. as simple that or something that we take for granted as much of as food. But, you know, it's a difference that creates such a wide wide array of no, issues. of course
1: I think I think that I think that anybody who's observant enough probably has noticed these things like i was just thinking about it too like you know in the last couple couple weeks you know you and i have gone to different places and long drives whatever Mm. but like have you noticed how you can almost know what kind of area like the kind of uh socioeconomic status of the people in a particular area when you take an exit and the kind of food outlets you see yeah you can you can absolutely tell like you can you can absolutely tell what kind of town you're into you're you're in as as soon as you see those you know those those um Food outlets, And I think that's something that I've become more observant of, you know, because Mm. I'm usually asleep when you're driving. But but that's something that I've started to notice, too, because ever since we talked about it, I was like, you know what? I'm curious now. Like now Mm. I pick it up and like I notice and it's I'm I'm correct. Literally 100 percent of the time, Mm -hmm. like you see you just go in and you're like, wow, you guys have McDonald's back to back to back streets. You ain't going to find a Whole Foods around here. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like. I think I think anybody who's probably observing as soon as they heard us talk about that th- last episode and hopefully the year is talking about it this time again, are probably gonna reflect back on their own experiences and the couple times they've been in different areas around whether it's their state or whatever. Yeah. And and just see how real it is that mm-hmm. something as small mm-hmm. you know, as as some, something we take for granted as just food access differs depending on the type of um, economic status of a particular area.
0: Yeah. Hopefully that example can you know stick with a lot of people, but I mean I guess that's one of the last things that I wanted to I guess mention. I mean I I hope you guys really enjoyed the episode. I mean, do you have any last thing? No, no. No?
1: I think I think this was a fun episode just because we kind of were just going back and forth, just going off. I think I I like that a lot. But um, yeah, no. um, We're obviously going to continue talking about more important uh, topics um sometimes like today we're going to go back and look at some of the problems that we pointed out in the past and perhaps look at how there are certain things being done within the community to change those things mm. um yes there are still some subjects that we feel very strongly about and have had a chance to talk about and we will get there i know raf mentioned a little bit you know when you're talking about contraception and how that ties into healthcare for women and that's something that you know we feel very strongly about but obviously feel you know we're gonna get to it and absolutely 100 percent i'm excited for us branching into other topics but we'll be seeing how we go with this and if you guys have any suggestions as usual you know you could always just dm us Mm. uh text raf or i whatever and i whatever whatever you want to do but yeah that's that's all for me
0: and also um just like a heads up when it comes to adding these extra topics like we understand like you know we kind of like know our place in certain topics you know there's Mm -hmm. some topics that we can talk about and have an opinion about obviously and you should have an opinion about almost everything you talk about but there are situations where we're going to be having guests on the show Mm -hmm. Um, so just stay tuned for that like you know just having a guest on the show will make it somewhat easier for us to talk about it but also allow us to you know learn more and be more informed and you guys can kind of learn with us in real time so to speak so i guess it's just something that i wanted to like put out there you know just let us i mean plenty of people who have talked to us um know that we're planning on having guests but just a heads up for you know when we have anyone we haven't talked to you know that we will be adding more people to the show um probably not consistently it might be like a new face here and there um, but it's certainly going to be based on a topic to topic basis. So, yeah, I mean that's the end of our eighth.
1: Yeah, I believe so. Eighth?
0: <laughs> wow, I'm really losing track of numbers. I'm not gonna lie; it's not even that high of a number. too. <laughs> I promise I went to. I promise I went to primary <laughs> school. I promise. But um, all right, that's the end of our eighth episode. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Cheers.